Hello and welcome to Frankly We Give a Damn About Movies, the podcast, where each week we give you unwanted and often biased opinions on the world of movies and news. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me, like always, is Matt. Hey, Mike. And back from the dead again is Jim. I'm also here. Hi, Jim. How's it going? Hey, good. That's good. Welcome back. Oh, it's good to be back. As usual. On the show this week, we're going to get a little wrap-up of movie news like we always do. And of course, we're going to do the spectacular Spidey special. Thwip, thwip, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Kapow. Spider-Man. Hey, that's Batman. I don't think Batman has ownership over the word kapow. I don't think that's the thing. As the Batman aficionado I am, I will give ownership of kapow to Batman. Anyway, this week's episode is going to be titled... Frankly, we give a damn the Spidey, the spectacular Spidey special, because we're going to be focusing on Spider-Man No Way Home after not talking about any superhero content last week. So our movie spotlight for the week, of course, is going to be Spider-Man No Way Home. We're also going to introduce a new little segment that I'm going to call Back in Time, where every now and then we'll go back in time and revisit some movies from the past. And this week, we'll be looking at the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy in celebration of... You guessed it. Spider-Man, no way home. Exactly. But it's been a long week since we last all spoke to you, so let's get ourselves reacquainted with what did we all watch this week? And I reckon we can do this all on, on the count of three. So three, two, one. Spider-Man, Spider-Man no way, way home. home. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Did we just become best friends? We did. Wow, crazy. We did. So yes, we all watched Spider-Man no way home. And what do we think? Well... Are uh, we going to give our full opinions now? Or we're going to wait until you know. A You're right. Later in the show, we don't want to you know spoil. You'll find out. You'll find out. But first, let's see what's happened this week in the world of movies and news. Pretty quiet week of movie news, but we've seen Denis Villeneuve. He came out saying he's going to tackle Arthur C. Clarke's epic take on Rendezvous with Rama. It's another sci-fi movie, and I feel like he's about to become the new sort of king of sci-fi movies. You know, coming off the back of Blade Runner 2049 and the recent Dune. It looks like a pretty interesting movie. I mean, stuff that Denis does. Um... He hasn't really had any faults with uh, that sci-fi genre yet. I mean, some can sort of debate that the movies might be long, dragged out, and, but hey, they're pretty, at, at least. Rendezvous with Rama will start production, or start pre-production, during June Part 2, which is scheduled to release in October of 2023, but we'll see, <laughs> we'll see if that still happens. Seems like almost every week we're talking about the Universal Monster movies. Last week we had the announcement of Phantom. The week before we had the announcement of Nick Cage being cast as Dracula. And I also briefly mentioned last week about Ryan Gosling's Wolfman. Well, we have some more casting announcements for 
that Dracula movie, or in this case, the spin-off, which will be called Reinfield, which focuses on the servant of Dracula, his familiar. Not too much is known about this movie. It's it's directed by Chris McKay, who is known for the amazing Lego Batman movie and the somewhat lackluster Tomorrow War. But um, not much is known about this. I'm assuming it's a comedy, seeing as it stars Nicholas Holt, who's Beast from X-Men, Nick Cage, who's Nick freaking Cage, uh, and Aquafina from Crazy Rich Asians. But um, the new addition that was announced this week was Ben Schwartz from Sonic, who who, who plays Sonic. I, I mean, I hope I hope it's a comedy because with a with a uh, cast like that, it'd be pretty fun, pretty interesting, pretty enjoyable. But hey, I would be okay if it's not a comedy. <laughs> but you'd hope so with a stacked cast like that. <laughs> DC and their HBO Max sort of releases. They've announced throughout the week that Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle, which was announced, I'm going to say, just under a year. Let's go nine months ago. It was announced. It was announced it was going to be released straight for HBO Max and made for HBO Max and just HBO Max it all. The plans have changed. Blue Beetle will be a full theatrical release movie, which is amazing. Blue Beetle is a phenomenal character. It deserves more than just a HBO release. This is going to be a lot of fun. Very excited. Still very, very, very early days. We don't have a casting announcement for it. But hey, I'm all for this. So happy to see theatrical releases for streaming movies. It's just, it's the way movies should be seen. Continuing on with some DC news, we also saw Matt Reeves, the new director of the Batman movie, to be releasing March 3rd, 2022. We saw him sit down in an interview with Empire, because in February we'll be seeing a dedicated issue for Batman, like they do for the big sort of blockbuster movies. We're seeing a dedicated issue for that. But Matt Reeves, he, he spoke about his inspiration for Batman. And guess who it is? Kurt Cobain? I mean, an interesting choice, yeah, but um, I don't know how you can have Batman as Kurt Cobain. Something I do like doing on the show every now and then. Oh, I want to do it weekly, but I don't, I don't know people don't really care half the time is looking at box office numbers i want to talk about this because not only are we doing our spidey special but it's pretty big it's huge spider-man no way home is set to surpass 240 million dollars in its opening debut that's with the american box office. that's american domestic box yeah. office we're looking at like ghostbusters which was doing really well the past few weeks at 140 and it's opening. It's an extra hundred million. Yeah, jeez, oh, it's a lot of money. Would you say we are? It's safe to say that when releasing films now, we won't really take COVID in to the equation of whether or not a film is performing well or poor. Well, that's exactly why I want to talk about it because you've also got to look at what at the time we are in right now, where 
Omicron has just broken out and a lot of people, not as scared as Delta, but like people are still now cautious again. Yeah. And for it, and another thing as well that I didn't say, 50 million opening day, it made $50 million on its opening day domestically, which brings it to the third biggest opening of all time behind Star Wars of 56 and then Avengers Endgame of 60. Like, this, it's, for a post-pandemic movie, huge. Mm. The week of a COVID scare, like a COVID breakout, outbreak, just, it's insane. Like, yeah. what's yeah. what's going to happen in the next few weeks? Because, you know, you're going to have the fanboys constantly seeing them. I mean, <laughs> you've Spider-Man seen it Spider-Man sells times. tickets, man. What can you say? Yeah. I mean, Endgame, that had uh, another big, really big opening, and Spider-Man was in it too. So there you Yeah, go. he'd are. <laughs> Maybe He's the Holland. secret. It's the key. When we're comparing the opening weekends... So this is projected 240. Yeah. The opening weekend of Homecoming in 2017 was 117 million in de- domestically, while Far From Home was 92 million domestically. Hmm. Sony got to be happy with that. <laughs> Sony like, has to be very oh, happy with that. Oh my god. Sony, Sony's sitting there like, oh my god! We, so it was down. We did twi- it, boys. We it was, saved it. It was down twenty-seven million dollars. Yeah, from the first to the second, and now it's doubled. Yep, and from opening weekend for Avengers: Infinity War was one hundred and six million. Ooh, wow! Wait, only one hundred and six for Infinity War? That is surprising. Yep, I could have sworn it had been more than that. Endgame. Yep, three hundred and fifty-seven. Million. That's the power of a cliffhanger for you, right? Yeah, and hype, hype, cliffhanger. Spider Man is in it, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's the trifecta. It's just all. It's just all money. It's a lot of money for uh, for Disney and Marvel. But good on them, eh? Surely, with all that money, uh, Disney and Sony can fund our Venom Three project. Yeah, Venom Three Love Actually. (laughs) I, I, you, you have a very valid point. If we're looking at the top three movies of this year. Black Widow at a gross of eighty million. Get ready for this. Mm. Black Widow, Black Widow at a gross of eighty million. Venom two, at a gross of ninety million. Spider Man No Way Home. At a gross, of two hundred and forty-two million. That's a <laughs> so. First of all, it's all Marvel slash Sony films. They're, they're superhero films. Oh, so this is just superhero films. No, no, as in this year. Well, if, if I keep going down that list, we have Blood Black Widow, we have Shang-Chi at 75, Eternals at 71, and then Fast and the Furious at 70. And people wonder why we talk about superhero movies a lot. Exactly. Because <laughs> like, that's the opening. Like, out of the top, what, six of them, five of them are superhero movies. Mm-hmm. And then you hit No Time to Die, and then Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills, really? Yeah. Okay. Halloween Kills beats out a quiet place too. I'm glad Halloween Kills snuck in there. Yeah. I've just seen Halloween Kills, so I didn't contribute to that at all. But uh, God, what are we doing sitting in a studio making podcasts? Let's start making movies. Well, Jim, we, like Boogie Inferno. Let's go. Let's make it. Boogie down. Inferno, the superhero movie. No, it's Jim and I's passion project. You're not involved in it, Matt. There's no, no superheroes either. Or sound, apparently. No. If I'm not involved. <laughs> That has been our weekly wrap of movie news for the week. And this week we have seen a movie release that is, quite frankly, the only movie that matters. And that is our movie spotlight for the week. 
Spider-Man No Way Home. Midnight screening came around and we all decided to go to it together. And oh my god, how good was the experience? Forget the movie just for two seconds. How good was the experience of being in that theatre with all the fans? Well, I think the uh, exciting part of the experience for me was uh, just seeing yourself dressed up as Spider-Man, Michael. I know. It was quite the experience. And if you want to see a photo of me dressed up as Spider-Man, you can check out our socials of, frankly, We Give a Damn, the podcast. Or you can check out mine at Mike Gambari on Instagram. It really is quite spectacular, I must say. I see. I see what you did there. Yeah, there we go. Spider-Man No Way Home picks up directly where Spider-Man Far From Home ended, where spoilers for Far From Home, Peter Parker's identity was revealed, and it picks up right from there, and No Way Home is centered on Peter Parker wanting everyone to forget that he's Spider-Man, and then in doing so, he goes to Doctor Strange, who then messes up a spell because of Peter, and then all of a sudden, all these multiversal villains come in, and it is a really good time. Fantastic Which time. brings us into what are our first impressions Probably the best MCU Spider-Man. Right. Yes. Like, can 100%. we all just agree with that? Yep. Easily okay. the Good. the best MCU Spider-Man film to date. And easily top five MCU movies. Ooh, I reckon... I actually haven't thought about that. I, I think it, it might be right. It rivals Endgame for me. It does rival Endgame. And Endgame is, Endgame is probably up there. Yeah. Endgame definitely is up there. Yeah. It was just... It did so many things right when it could have gone so wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this film, I feel like, was very very easily could have been set up to fail. I don't know if I actually said this on the podcast, but I was like fairly confident that it probably wasn't going to be that good. Like it would have had fun moments, but like the actual structure of it was so close to falling apart so many times. I was very impressed with how well they kept it all together. Which brings us to the fact of the plot for something that was so jam-packed and so full. There was an issue where it could have become an issue like Amazing Spider-Man 2, where it was a hundred different storylines going at once. But... The balance was just so good. And it, it's a chunky two hour, two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Um, it's nonstop. It hits every it hits every ball. And yeah, it is nonstop. You don't get a lot of breathing time, but it works. Yes, absolutely. And it, But then in the day, it had to be like that in order to actually push for the film to be what it is. Yeah. It, I feel like the film couldn't really stick to a standard three-act structure. No. Um purely just because with that many different things happening at once, if they tried to stick to that, it would have just fell apart or been rushed in some parts and dragged out in others. And this is a no-spoiler chat for No Way Home, so you're going to be all clean to listen to this if you haven't seen it. Yes. Um, but just saying that as well, like what they did with the plot, put it flipped it on its head to the point where you're expecting kind of one thing. Like going into it, you know, I'm expecting, you know, the villains sort of to be the villains. But, I mean, not really. That's not really a spoiler. Like, that's not really the case. Is that a spoiler? I don't know if it's really a spoiler. I mean, the trailers did reveal a fair chunk of this movie uh, in terms of the plot and what the structure of the film's actually about. Um, Obviously, there are a lot of surprises uh, still in there, so definitely go see it for that. But I think, yeah, the villains, um, there's more to them than what the trailers initially sort of put forward. Yes. They have... As um as Alfred Molina said in an interview recently, are you suggesting I'm a mustacheling paragraph? <laughs> now look here, I'm classically trained. Willing Dafoe said he would only do it if, if he, he did, all the did all the stunts. Which I feel like did he do all the stunts? It I feel like <laughs> physically acting, you could definitely see there was a lot of Dafoe in there. Well, now that we're talking about this, well, let's let's chat about the performances and how good were the villains coming back? Like how just. Honestly, Willem Dafoe coming back as Green Goblin stepped in seamlessly oh, 
from you it's know. Like you didn't leave. Yeah. And same with Alfred Molina. Yeah. They skipped twenty years and but, they just came back and they were just phenomenal, absolute standouts. Yeah. Like one of Willem Dafoe's best performances. Mm. No, they were really quite good. Uh, Jamie Foxx back. Yeah. Uh, quite. Uh, I did really enjoy him. Uh, I didn't feel like he felt like the same character, but no. the character in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man was not much of a character to it's begin with, rough, so yeah. not that big of a deal, I guess. They fixed a lot of issues that the villains had in the past, or like story-wise, bringing like adapting them from the comics. And it's like uh, there's the famous story of Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, hating the Green Goblin mask. Yeah. And what they did do in the movie not going to really get into it, but like... It definitely showed uh, Feige's hatred for the mask. Yes, definitely. Mm. But also did it in a way that it wasn't an sort of F you to the comics. It was a way of, hey, this is a different universe. We're going to change it up a bit to yeah. fit that vibe. Yep. And I really like what they did with Electro. And same with Sandman. Sandman. Not enough people talking about Sandman in this. Flint Marco. Yeah. Was, was good. Yeah, he, he he definitely. I felt like he definitely like he continued his role as Sandman, and I don't know if they did like digital de aging on him. I'm assuming they had, but he looked exactly like he did from Spider Man Three. You know why? Why? Because that's a shot from Spider Man Three, right? A shot oh, from really? 3. Yeah. No, I know. And how good does it look? What? That's crazy. A massive, a massive, massive, massive standout of this movie, though, the soundtrack. Michael Giacchino brought the goods. It is phenomenal. Yes, it is. I hate to be controversial here, but I actually didn't really notice the soundtrack that much. Really? <laughs> I mean, it was fine. It, I didn't. It just didn't stand out. To Maybe me. like um, during, during the screening, you were sitting a bit too far back to really appreciate <laughs> it. You know, Mike and I were. I'm curious to go back and listen to it because I've heard that they do incorporate certain elements that I might. No, that's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so hot. It is so hard to talk about this without spoiling it. Just look, a combination of everything. Yeah. It's like even when Doc Ock is first introduced, yeah. you have the organ horror theme. Yeah. And it was just so beautiful. And the final homecoming trilogy suite, yeah. the big orchestral with the choir now introduced, and that's the complete full circle. Yeah. But um, to kind of wrap up this chat, the biggest issue I had with Tom Holland's Spider-Man was the fact that he wasn't Spider-Man. He was Iron Boy. He was a child, yes, but he had he didn't have the responsibility that comes with great power. Absolutely, and that was that's a lot of people's issues with the home with Homecoming and Far From Home because he didn't have that responsibility. He was always dependent on someone. Homecoming, it was it was Iron Man. Far From Home, it was Nick Fury, and then No Way Home. I went into it worrying that it was going to be Doctor Strange, but. No Way Home fixed that. Yes. By the time No Way Home ends, Tom Holland is Spider-Man. He is. He is as close to what you... Th- when you picture Spider-Man... He is now Spider-Man. He is Spider-Man. And he's going to have his own responsibilities moving forward. Which is what, what I love is now that the Homecoming trilogy isn't just a trilogy of Spider-Man movies. It's the origin story. Oh, yeah. Of MCU Spider-Man. Yeah, we're moving from now an origin story of a more childlike, dependent Spider-Man to a more now mature, independent, you know, college to adult Spider-Man. Stories that we really haven't seen that many of in film. Like we had in the original uh, Spider-Man trilogy, we had a little bit of that 
I gotta say, I never really understood the criticism that much of like, oh, he's just Iron Man Junior, and you know, he's always dependent. Like, I, I, I did enjoy like that that sort of take on the character. I enjoyed that they went a different way. But now that I have sort of seen that this one does take him in the direction of a more traditional Spider-Man, I'm pretty excited to sort of see what actually comes of that. I gotta say. And of course, Kevin Feige the other day, he kinda confirmed it, kinda to an extent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was a very cryptic, cryptic <laughs> message by him, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's happening. Don't know when, but it's happening. Spider-Man. But um, No Way Home is an absolute love letter to superhero movies and Spider-Man as a whole. And it is just phenomenal. It is, I'm not going to say it's perfect, but it's pretty damn close to it. Um, Easily the best MCU film of this year oh, and I mean, last year. Not that hard to beat. But Spider-Man No Way Home even makes you appreciate just all the earlier Spider-Man films. You know how they people talk about how some films can ruin... Like, like if there's an old film that gets either a remake or a reboot, it can technically ruin old films. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah. I feel like this can, in some elements, retroactively improve mm-hmm. older films. Which I, know. I feel like is... A very interesting thing that I feel like hasn't really happened that much. I think my main takeaway was it felt more like a Spider-Man movie than an MCU movie. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Which, I mean, in the MCU of late, it is kind of rare to have these movies feel unique in a sense. Uh, And coming, you know, off the back of something like Eternals or Shang-Chi, which, you know, they, they stuck to that MCU formula pretty heavily. Um, it's it's exciting to see something a little bit more out there and different and exciting. Yeah. So to wrap up, what are our final comments? Uh, go watch the movie before it gets spoiled. Yeah, I'm going to see it tomorrow again, so uh, come to that screening and I'll hang out. <laughs> I've seen it four times already. My God, man. And and we, we did go to the midnight screening that finished up about three and I went to bed, woke up about four hours later, went and saw it again, came to work, finished work, went and saw it again. And then went to bed, and I woke up the next day. I'm like, that was a really good movie the, the third time around. I think that's too much Spider Man. I think you're day. having an overdose on Spider Man, mate. <gasps> no. But my, my final comments are this is pinnacle Spider Man. And we've seen a lot of good Spider Man content over the past few years, but this is just the cherry on top. It's the absolute bow that's just tied everything together. And I, I, I've said to a lot of people, uh, why are you seeing it so many times? And it's like, well, the first time I experienced it, the first time I went to the midnight screening, everyone was clapping, everyone was cheering. It was it was a good atmosphere. And the second time I enjoyed it. And the second time I almost appreciated it more. Knowing what had happened and going in and re-watching it, you really do appreciate it more because you see those subtle nuances. It's just, I mean, I can't say a lot without spoiling it. So um, in that case, uh, do we feel comfortable giving it a number? Well, Jim's not a huge numbers guy. I just don't like numbers in general. Uh, uh, but, you know, if I had to. If you had to. If you, you had a gun to your head. Oh, here we go. <sighs> Give it about probably like an eight. An eight? An eight. I'm, I'm sitting around like an 8.5. Yeah. I'd even give it a nine. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you're, just, yeah, you're just, the top of the pile. And that's not me. Just That's not being, being, me being a, a Marvel fanboy. Like, I... Like being a Spider-Man fanboy. Not even me being a Spider-Man <laughs> a Spider fanboy. Boy. I just generally think it's it's a, just a very solid movie. And it's like, I understand for non-sort of fans, but um, that it, it won't be as good. But uh, even then, it's still enjoyable. The action is probably the best out of all out of the whole trilogy. 
Um, it's just it ticks all the right boxes. Yeah. It's a good time to be a Spider Man fan. An amazing time to be a Spider Man fan. See you again uh, next year for uh, Enter the Spider Verse. Across the Spider Verse oh, Part One. <laughs> that will be very fun. But that has been our little movie spotlight of the week for Spider Man No Way Home, and we didn't talk about spoilers. No spoilers. So, what we're going to do as a little treat, if you'd like to hear us discuss some spoilers, we're going to release an extra episode. Yes. Raw, unfiltered, uncut, and uncut. Just we're just going to literally upload the audio, and that's it. That's it. Let you have a chat. Yep. Now it's time to try out a new segment on the show where we'll take a jump to the left and a step to the right as we wind back the clock to revisit some of our favourite films of the past. With this being our spectacular Spidey special, yes, I feel like it is fitting to talk about what started it at all. The original Sam Raimi trilogy of Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Man 3. How good are those movies? Yeah, they're pretty solid. <laughs> very, very, very solid Spider-Man films, yes. Have they held held up? Absolutely. I feel like elements of them have, whilst others even... I feel like there are elements that are shortcomings but not necessarily f- the films as a whole. And oh, by shortcomings, no. you mean Spider-Man 3, which we will we'll, we'll look at the first the first two ones, and then we'll talk about then Spider-Man we'll talk 3. About Spider-Man 3. Okay. But right. Spider-Man 1 is, controversial opinion from me, better than Spider-Man 2. I feel like Spider-Man 1 very much set the standard of what an origin story needs to be. What a superhero movie needs yeah. to be. Yeah, especially coming off the back of what, like, Blade and Spawn. I mean, you had the Batman movies of the um, 80s and 90s, but um, apart from that... I guess X-Men was the year before. Yeah. Yeah. X-Men was just kind of there. Oh, right. But yeah, no, it's uh, definitely um, that set the template. Uh, even for things like the MCU going forward, you can see the influences uh, yeah, from absolutely. that original mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And, we, of course, we get the big, with great power comes great responsibility scene, of um, which is the first time we saw that mm-hmm. on the big screen. It's one of those movies that ticks all the right boxes. The villain, amazing. Tobey Maguire, Absolutely. pretty good <laughs> yeah. at things. He was the exact right Peter Parker we needed at the time. Exact, at the time. Maybe not the one we deserve, <laughs> but definitely the one we needed. <laughs> got pretty jacked for it, though. Oh, he got scene. massive. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. And then like I went back and saw it. I was like, damn, he got some arms. But it was only one scene. Just one scene. One scene. And the rest of the muscle suits. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I-, I love the idea that when they originally casted Tobey Maguire, they're like, yeah, he's great, but can you do the stunts? But when you think about it, it's a guy in a suit 90% of the time doing stunts. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, does he really have to be able to, to be do there? it? Does he need to be I don't know. There? We know nowadays actors don't even need to be alive to appear in movies. So, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, we've resolved that issue. But, I mean, Spider-Man 1 was amazing. But then Spider-Man 2 came around and an even better villain was introduced. Dr. Otto Octavius. Would you say better villain? You like him more than Green Goblin? I mean, I think Defoe he, is really good. I think I think he's a better villain, mm. but Defoe's 
performance was better. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. In that sort of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Defoe's sort of his... Defoe's, Defoe's like re- his raw, like acting. Yeah. Just like blah. <laughs> but as a character, he didn't really have motives. And Willem, Willem's come out like publicly saying he that he even thinks that. Yep. And that's why he accepted going to, uh, into No Way Home because he felt like the character had actual motives this mm. time around. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to do his own stunts. Anyway, <laughs> um, but then you had Doc Ock come around and he had motives. He wasn't a bad person. No. Doc, like, Doc Ock wasn't a bad person. He was just so blinded. Yeah, he was a victim of his own enterprise. Exactly. His own curiosity. Yeah. He's a scientist. He was somewhat of a scientist himself. Then Spider-Man 3 came around... And uh, it's got its uh, issues. It's got some good things in it, though. I Sandman, Sandman, yeah. fantastic. Spider Man Three has the best single scene of any Spider Man films. I feel when Sandman is in the Neuron Collider, the music of Danny Elfman and the visuals of that scene that hold up so well even today for a movie that came out what two thousand and eight? Yeah, um, oh seven. I mean, it was around the time of the dawn of the MCU. In that sort of era, the special effects that still hold up today. Honestly, though, No Way Home, the special effects for Sandman in Spider-Man 3 were probably better than the special effects for Sandman in No Way Home. Yeah, Now I'm thinking about it. 100%. Well, yeah, I feel like they probably had a bit more time to really focus on the Sandman effects in Spider-Man 3 compared to No Way Home. And there's a lot more practical stuff in, in the, the, all of those original Spider-Man movies. There was a lot of practical stuff going on as well. So you yeah. have to think about that. Yeah, it's an overall solid trilogy, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think for me the the main thing that sets those movies apart from even Amazing Spider-Man and the new ones are the horror elements that um, Sam Raimi brings to the mm-hmm. table. Like mm-hmm. those villains are scary. Like yeah. that Doc yeah. Ock scene, Green like, Goblin. Uh, in the first movie, is horrifying. Um, yeah. Doctor 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 scene in um like the, the second one, scene, the hospital yeah. scene. Yep. Even bits like in Spider Man Three with Sandman, like the, it, he makes you scared of a pile of sand. Like let's be yeah. real. Like that bit where the cops are opening up the truck. I was like seeing that as a kid. I was genuinely quite like frightened of that. Mm. And it's exciting um, for him now directing Doctor Strange too. Oh yeah, to see, let's see him, if he can make yeah. Doctor Strange scary. Bring those horror elements. <laughs> let's hope so. That has been the podcast for this week. I thank you all for joining me. Thank you very much. Big week. And thank you, Jim, for being back. Glad to be here, guys. Glad you just to had be to be here. I mean, if he wasn't here, then what's the point like? Next week is a big week of movies. We see Boxing Day happen. What are we looking forward to? What's our what's our anticipated movie? I mean, there's a heap of movies coming out next week. We've got like Matrix. We've got Ghostbusters <laughs> coming out in Australia. New Year's, we've got uh, Kingsman. Hell yeah, I call Matrix. I'm keen for that. I'm super keen for Kingsman. Um, Licorice Pizza? Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson? Uh, okay. <laughs> West Side Story? Sing 2? Oh, hell yeah. West Side Story, I'm actually Yeah, really you excited would for. be. <laughs> I love West Side I love Steven Spielberg. I love you're musicals. A mu- you're a musical star. It's got old, old mate from uh, I'm actually pretty Baby keen Driver. for Sing 2 as well. Yeah, me too. Sing, <laughs> the first thing came out of nowhere, and it was yeah. just a solid good movie. Yeah, so we've got I heaps of not people know. Not that many people know about it, but it's really good. <laughs> it's surprisingly good. And it's kind of a musical, so there you go. The jukebox musical. That has been Frankly We Give a Damn About Movies, the podcast for this week. I've been Jim. I've been Matt. And I've been Mike. And frankly, 
We gave a damn about movies. The podcast. Bye bye. Oh, baby.